0: This is Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks, where a spirit board conversation sparked our spiritual evolution. I'm Shale. And I'm
1: Cheyenne. And each week, we explore a world where there is much more than meets the eye. So pour yourself a drink and join us as we cheers to a witch in good time. Hello, my dear. What are we drinking tonight?
0: I... I'm having one of those weeks. So it's a wine day. And in true child of the Rockies style, (laughs) it's Huckleberry wine. And if anybody does not know what Huckleberries are, I am so sorry because it's literally Mountain Gold. And I actually had a whole bunch of frozen Huckleberries that I picked this summer back home in Idaho when we went on a river trip. And so I've got this BZ full of frozen Huckleberries. Um, I was telling Cheyenne earlier, though, that I am I'm one of those foragers that doesn't do my due diligence and I just kind of throw whatever I got into a bag. And so I well, before that, I do strain it once. But if there's still sticks and stems and leaves in it by the time I strain it, they all go in the bag. So I'm kind of (laughs) distracted tonight as I'm like picking little leaves out of my wine, but it's still delicious nonetheless. I mean, it
1: doesn't count if you don't have to work for it a little bit, right?
0: Yeah. And you know, it connects me back to nature <laughs> like, as I pick. <laughs> it's very earthy.
1: You feel very grounded while you drink it.
0: I do. It, it makes me have to be present.
1: <laughs> That's
0: hilarious. There's no bugs though. So that I do very much meticulously pick through to make sure there's no bugs, but there is a, a twig and a leaf or two in here.
1: Well, that sounds delightful. I really miss huckleberry season I think that's one of my biggest Colorado complaints
0: you know I did find some funny stories this is gonna be a little bit of a side tangent Um, my first year that I moved here I had a couple girlfriends from grad school that came to visit and we went and packed into I don't remember like northeastern northwestern Colorado somewhere but It was like a high alpine lake and it was so funny because neither one of these girls had ever had huckleberries either. And so they don't understand that, you know, huckleberries are one of those things that literally you can only find in the wild. Nobody's figured out how to domesticate them, which that makes me love them that much more. Um, So when you find them, it's a big deal because they're not super easy to find and they have to have like really perfect kind of growing conditions. And so... Uh, We hiked into this lake and then there was this other hike that we were going to do. And it was going to be kind of a, a day hike type thing. And literally like 20 minutes into this little hike, I stumbled upon this bush of huckleberries. And people who know me know that I'm like a little forager to the soul. And I can sit and pick berries or forage literally all day long and not get bored of it. And so I found these huckleberries and just lost my damn mind. And just like plopped myself down, and they're like, Are you gonna finish this hike with us? And I was like, Nope, I'll see you when you loop back. <laughs> and it was fun. <laughs> and it was so funny because there was this couple from Oregon that had also hiked into the same kind of base camp that we did. And they saw me on the way up picking these huckleberries when they were doing the same day hike as my friends. And they just kind of left me there. <laughs> and I had like no so bears or anything. So thank God that no bears came, but I don't think I would have noticed them anyway. We'd have just been homies. Um, yeah, You would have been buddies. My grandma bacon
1: has a story about finding a huckleberry patch and there was a big fat black bear with her. Oh yeah. They just both sat at opposite ends and picked their berries and there's plenty for everybody. It's
0: actually amazing. But it was you know, so really cute because this couple from Oregon, they like, they went up and they were kind of curious and they were like watching me. They're like, wow, whatever she's into over there, she is really into them and she's not going anywhere clearly. And so they asked me about it and I was like, oh, I'm just picking huckleberries. And then as they were Coming back, they noticed that I was still there, and I mean, this is like four or five hours later, and I hadn't moved. I had just been in my little my zone, and so I showed them what the berries looked like so that they could pick on them themselves. And then they were just like, "Okay, we noticed that you're so into this, and you haven't left an hour, so we just have to see what the hype is about." And then they started picking them themselves, <laughs> but it was just so funny because I'm just like, I I lose my mind over them because they're such an amazing thing, and so. I just, this summer too, we got to like share that experience with a couple friends of ours that also hadn't ever had huckleberries. And so that's one of the treats of the Rockies that I think everybody, if you ever come to like Colorado or Idaho, you need to try and experience because they're, they're a treasure.
1: Oh, I love that. I feel the same way about thimbleberries too. Mm -hmm. I love thimbleberries. I wish it was summer. I don't usually say that.
0: I know. Something about something about like wild berries, especially—they just taste so much better. There's so much more fulfillment in gathering things like that. Love it. Mm, me too.
1: Ah, oh, what a delightful beverage journey you took us on.
0: I know. So wait, did you say what you were drinking? No. <laughs> um. <laughs> I know. I just like selfish. It was like, let me tell you all about huckleberries.
1: No, I love it. Anytime you can get to go talk about anything plant related, I just it tickles my heart. So that's good. And also, obviously I'm, out of, I'm drinking a weird I'm not drinking alcohol. Ooh. If if you can believe it. Um <laughs> <laughs> I worked today and I work tomorrow. So I'm trying to be responsible and not wake up with a headache. So I Fair. made myself a like a mocktail mimosa I guess
0: oh interesting
1: frozen strawberries frozen pineapple pineapple strawberry orange or no pineapple what's that juice pineapple strawberry banana that juice um and then I put some basil in it
0: oh okay a little bit of spice
1: yeah Just a little bit of something. And it's actually really nice. It does make me feel like I'm drinking champagne because of all of the... Oh, I put seltzer in it too.
0: I was going to say, do you have like a a mocktail 7-Up or something in there?
1: Yes. So I've got lime seltzer and then I did squeeze some fresh lime juice in it too. So it's a pretty detailed mocktail, but it's quite tasty. Sounds delicious.
0: Mm. Look at how how fancy uh, tonight. I'm proud of it.
1: I know. I am too. We stepped it up (laughs) from our bottled margarita.
0: <laughs> I forgot about that last that time. time. Ah, Funny.
1: Didn't even put salt on it.
0: <laughs> Gets me every time.
1: All right, folks. A little card ASMR for you. We are um hanging out with our literary witch Oracle tonight.
0: Love this deck. Do you have the familiars too? I'm sorry, We you have the familiars too.
1: I do have the familiars. Yeah. Familia. So we are going to pull ourselves a witch and a material familiar slash tool and think about embodying this woman's energy in the upcoming week, what we can learn from her life and her work and how we can incorporate this tool slash familiar, whoever we end up drawing um, into our own weekly wanderings as well. So if everyone just wants to take a big inhale, exhale, just let go of the week except you're going to listen to this on a Sunday, so say hello to the week. I'm letting go of mine. Oh. Same. <laughs> okay. We are drawing our familiar... Oh, funny. Okay. We have drawn Angela Carter,
0: oh, okay,
1: who you might remember from our Krampus episode. So we clearly are not done with Angela's work, which is exciting to me because I just, I like her a lot. Um, but the familiar we pulled this time is bees. Ooh, okay. So I am, yeah, I'm like looking at this card again. It's a bust portrait of Angela. There's a creature paws coming out of the top, two legs coming out of the bottom of the card. There's a wolf in between the legs and there's blood dripping from Angela's bodice into the wolf's mouth surrounded by thorny rose bushes and she represents identity so Angela Carter is about investigating identity rules and who you are roles excuse me and who you are she is the author who she's an English author who reimagined fairy tales like Beauty and the Beast Little Red Riding Hood through a feminist ultra sexual lens it's really about exploring those gender dynamics and those roles that feminism plays. And so I think she's she's a hard ass for sure. She's <laughs> definitely somebody who embodies her own work, which I really appreciate. Like this is definitely a take no shit kind of woman. But bees alongside her represent togetherness, work and treasures. And so I think this to me right now the Interpretation and feelings I am getting from this is that we've all kind of been stuck in that in that really strong like identifier of self. This year, it's been really hard to find connection and togetherness. It's been hard to trust people. I especially, you know, working in a retail shop, I find myself um, a lot more annoyed with just everyday human interactions in a way that I usually am not. So I think these are a good reminder for us to kind of take a step back to and remember our role in our community in addition to our role to ourselves. So standing strong in your identity, but also realizing where your gifts and your tools can kind of come cohesively together and work for the collective good, which is especially nice this time of year. You know, this is typically a time of getting together, of gratitude, of family, of reflection. Um, so I, I like the the rebuilding community aspect of bees. I feel like that's a, that's a message I definitely needed to hear today. Well, and I
0: really love that, too, because this is our last episode of 2020. And it's just really incredible to think that that's kind of our outgoing message, because when we think about where we're going from here, um, we have things like the vaccine now, and, and it seems like there's a light at the end of the tunnel here with the pandemic. We're we're going to be moving into that phase of recovery, right? And so it's it's really about how do we come back together stronger? And we can't come back together without community. And we can't move forward without one another, especially in a time where we felt so isolated and separated and So it's just really cool that that's kind of our outgoing message and a reminder of the good things that are to come. So good card. Yeah.
1: Well, and along those lines too, with Angela, that just brought up something else for me too, where it's, it's also a reminder to, to bring that togetherness and to have that goal, but also this year has been such an important year, I think for self-work and self-reflection. So Coming back to that space of creating a new normal of community building, but retaining your identity as Mm -hmm. well in that, I think is really important. And remembering all of the hard shadow work we did this year, all of the pain and the struggle and the grieving that we've done collectively and and holding holding tough in our values. Absolutely. While we reintegrate into that community, I think is a good a good way to wrap that. Absolutely.
0: And just kind of to add one more thing to that, I do know for a lot of people that through this hardship, they have discovered a part of themselves that maybe they've always wanted to know, or perhaps like this event has kind of illuminated that for them. So I guess like for me personally, as an example, I've always wanted to really deepen my relationship with herbalism and the natural world and, and gardening and all of that. And if it wasn't for this event, I don't think that would have happened. It's always been something I've really kind of dabbled in and and really wanted to get better at. But this, this time where we were all required to slow down and to really be forced to be present, it gave me that time to be like, what is it that I truly love? Like if, if the world ends this year, what is the thing that I wish that I would have spent more time doing? And I feel like I've deepened my connection in that way more than than any year before it. And I think it'll only get better from here. So I think it's a cool thing to think about as we go to the end of this year, what are those kind of silver linings that came out of this? Because there was so much focus on the negative. And and like you said, to do that shadow work, but what what is also the, the, the beauty in this? Because there's always good things that come out of a really hard time.
1: Yes, absolutely. Oh, I love that so everyone we obviously didn't do our homework well enough last time we need to all read more of Angela's work
0: <laughs> yeah she's coming back with a vengeance
1: she's coming back like hello I told you <laughs> um so we'll uh, I'll post some links in our show notes of kind of her her must read pieces so you can do a little bit of digging on this hopefully restful winter break we are all about to have right, ladies. So speaking of community and coziness and coming together, what are we talking
0: about today? Yule.
1: Yay. What is Yule?
0: Yule is the ancient pagan version of, well, let's just say it this way. Yule is what Christmas was before it became Christmas.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Very fair. We celebrate Yule uh, around the solstice, typically. And when I say we, I'm referring to all of us heathenistic pagans. And I know we've touched on this a few times, but can we give everybody a little bit more insight into what the word pagan actually means?
0: Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up because I feel like when people hear the word pagan, they think of like the dark demonic connotation of the word pagan, Um, especially like the pop culture version where people who are depicted as pagan tend to have like a dark, mysterious vibe to them and they tend to practice like blood sacrifices and (laughs) stuff like that, you know, like the stuff that witches are typically associated with. But pagan is actually kind of an umbrella term. That's very, very old. Um, And I don't think people who identified as pagan would have called themselves such back in ancient times anyway. Um, It's kind of just a term that was placed upon people. And so pagan really is a term that embodies spirituality, I would say, and and forms of religion outside of what we recognize as, um, I guess, traditional Abrahamic religions, And that the organized religions as we know them today. So at some points in time, even what are seen as religions now, like Buddhism and Hinduism, were actually seen as pagan. Um, It was typically put upon religions that were polytheistic versus monotheistic, meaning they believed in multiple gods or deities or divine beings. It's changed a lot throughout history, but I guess the reason why I kind of identify with the term is because nowadays, and I'm, I'm, this is not to generalize or anything because there are multiple facets of the term paganism, but today it seems to be identified most with folks who really follow a spiritual path that is kind of nature-based and more kind of earth-centric and that's not to say that people can't have a deity or that they don't have religious aspects to it. But for me personally, I don't really identify with a religion per se. I don't like the organization around religion, and we talk about this a little bit in our episode three, uh, where we come out of the broom closet a little bit. But for me, it's it's really about wanting to reconnect with my ancestral line and wanting to connect with nature. I want to be more connected with this the cycles and the seasons and the rhythms of the world around me. And I want to have more respect for the earth. And I want to practice a spirituality that really focuses on the present as we see it now. So that's why that's why I lean towards this and and really because I don't really identify with an organized religion i would say i'm a little bit more eclectic in my spirituality so there are things from uh like christianity that i still hold on to for example or i do identify with aspects of buddhism and and kind of i would say i'm more universalist in my spiritual approach but at the end of the day my values are cause no harm to others so i guess you could say that i I take that from Christianity and even Wicca in that I don't know if I necessarily believe in the threefold rule, but I do believe that you should you should live the life that you want to as long as it doesn't harm anybody. I think it's really as simple as that. So any choice that I make has an impact in some way, whether that's energetically or whether it has a physical impact. So. I think being more present and more cognizant of how we impact the world is really important, but that's kind of my view in a nutshell. So I'm curious, Cheyenne, how how do you view paganism?
1: Yeah, definitely very, very similarly. Um, I also really like, it it's about that presence, right? Like how we said witchcraft is paying attention. That's what paganism is to me a little bit too, you know, and specifically with, with Yuletide and solstice in this time of year, the reason this is such a big um, celebration and event across a broad spectrum, you know, we're talking the Romans and, you know, the Norse people and, you know, the Celts. And the, it just, it goes so, it crosses so many different cultures and um, and that celebration really comes because it's, it's the end of harvest. We're all going into hibernation and, and human beings, we actually used to hibernate. <laughs>
0: wow, can um, we bring that back please? Yeah, like
1: way, you know, way back. That's my anthropology coming out a little bit, but we we're used to to settling in and sinking and reflecting and resting in this time and I think that kind of that celebration of the end of harvest and that devotion, you know, winter time was a time to really devote yourself to your spirituality and and connect to your gods and make these offerings and and set the stage for a bountiful coming year. And I just, I think there's a lot of beauty in that, you know, pausing and following the seasons and kind of reverting back to a more natural in every sense of the word, (laughs) rhythm of living, you know, we And that includes what you're putting into your body. You know, I've got strawberries in my drink right now, which is definitely not a solstice time (laughs) fruit, Uh, but it's, it's remembering those and honoring those seasons and, and what's actually available and giving thanks for that. Um, So that's kind of why I like, it's why I still identify really strongly with the Christmas, Christmas time in general with, you know, the whole. December vibe <laughs> across across all the cultures, Christianity included, um, and that's also no surprise because so many of our Christmas traditions are deeply, deeply steeped in pagan roots. So we're gonna dive into those today.
0: Yeah, and I, I love that you bring up the the real emphasis on duality at this time and how we are moving into the darkest parts of the year. And that solstice is really that longest day of the year, right? It's the longest night. Right. Um, So, yeah, I I really like how we move into the longest night of the year. And it's really about celebrating darkness and that you can't really have light without the dark. And I don't mean that in like a good versus evil sort of way, but really you can't have For example, you can't have growth without roots in the darkness, right? Like if if we look at a seed, really, when it grows, it has to be in that dark space under the soil. And then it grows from that into something beautiful as it connects with the light. And so, like you mentioned earlier, I, I love that this time is really a celebration of going inward into ourselves, kind of brushing away the cobwebs of our self-care and and looking into ourselves and who we are and who we're meant to be and really emphasizing that rest. Because especially in modern society, we don't take the time to do that. Sure, we'll take vacation once in a while or an extra day off here or there, but we have completely forgotten what it means to truly rest. And I, and I would love to see that reincorporated back into society. And so I think it's really cool that people are starting to kind of awaken to the Yule aspect of this time of year.
1: Yeah, me too. I really like that that view of it. Um so what are some things that you like to do this time of year? What are your personal Yule tide traditions?
0: So you know, I've always I don't know, I've always been kind of a Scrooge <laughs> around <laughs> Christmas and and you know I was kind of reflecting on that the other day and being a little vulnerable. I think When you're when you're a child of divorced parents, holidays are really, really hard because you feel like you have to kind of separate the holiday between parents or sometimes you might see one side of the family and not the other. And and so for me, I think there's kind of a lot of. I don't know if it's trauma necessarily, but there was a lot of just kind of mal I don't know, dark feelings around this time. And and so I just didn't really enjoy Christmas, but. As I've grown older and especially after getting married, because my husband is like literally a who from Whoville, like that dude (laughs) loves Christmas. And he kind of reminded me of the joy of this time and, and that it's not a time that should be stressful because I'm one of those people, too, that when I give gifts... I can't do something simple. I just have to like go above and beyond and I stress myself out and I have to get the perfect gift for every person on my list super perfectly. And, and then I would just get kind of frustrated with the whole capitalism thing and like seeing a whole lot of waste around this time of year. And so I just got super negative about it in the last, I would say decade. But now that I've started kind of this more spiritual path and in the more pagan path, um, I'm starting to have a, a real appreciation for it again. And what I really love about Yule is that there is so many traditions around just celebrating nature itself and celebrating the pine trees and utilizing all of the kind of like when you look back in in history, a lot of the things that people did as tradition was really celebrating with natural elements. Like if you look at mistletoe or garlands or you know cranberry strings and stuff like that people really just dove into how do we bring nature into our home and that's so freaking cool and again looking at the the celebration of the duality of this time and really it's it's at the end of the day it's about being around those you love and wanting to be there for those you love it's not about the the gifts and the the spending of the money and the stress and it's really about something much more important and so I guess to answer your question, I'm still kind of leaning into this holiday a little bit more, but I want to go fully Yule this year, (laughs) and uh, I want to do a Yule log. So, something that people do around this time is they they they, I guess, identify a log, a literal log, (laughs) and they decorate it. So you can decorate it with candles and ribbon and, and whatever kind of symbolizes this time for you. But really what they do is is you set it on your central table in your home around your hearth. And everybody takes kind of time and adds their good intention to it, whether that's kind of energetically or if you physically write on on the log and place it on the log. And then at the uh, winter solstice, you burn it. And and that kind of infuses your intention as you go into this new year. And then we lean into the darkness. So That's something I really want to do. So I want to use kind of three different candles for my Yule. I want to use a black, green, and white one. And the black will represent the barriers I want to banish. The green will obviously represent prosperity. And the white will just represent the good intention that I want to move into this year with. And to allow any kind of good things to come into my space that are meant for me this year. So I think that's the tradition I'm really going to lean into Um, And I'm very excited about and my husband's excited about it uh, and he wants to join in. So we'll we'll make it kind of a special thing, especially because of covid this year and with the things that are the way they are in Colorado, we don't feel comfortable going home. So it's it's another Christmas that us little misfits will spend alone. But I think we'll make it really, really special this year. So I'm excited. How about you? Ah.
1: I'm excited about that. And I just want to I wanted to touch on one thing that you mentioned regarding I it's such a relatable feeling, I think that um especially me because my I love to gift. Gifting is like is gifting can gifting be a love language? It okay. is, yeah. It's
0: like I think I think <laughs> okay, gifts,
1: like, yeah. if I'm not receiving them, it still counts if I'm giving them right. right. It's the
0: way you express love.
1: Um, yeah, so I love to give gifts of all kinds and I plan. I start planning it really early and I-, I understand that feeling of like, oh, this has to be perfect or feeling like you can't quite measure up to that expectation. But I want to just offer everybody a little sparklet of mental peace around this because the tradition of gift giving is actually a pagan um solstice tradition, and more specifically it's a- tra- tra- excuse me it's a tradition of the Romans um during Saturnalia, which is celebrated between uh like the seventeenth and twenty fourth of december um which is in honor of the god Saturn, who's the god of agriculture, and so the Romans would spend the week the you know the same way we spend Christmas now with you know feasting and drinking and gift giving um and just celebrating joy but what I love about the gift giving is that the Romans exchanged really small gifts and they were for the sake of good luck. So the idea was to give a gift in the hope of bringing in a bountiful harvest for the next year. And so rather than huge lists, you were just sharing one small gift with one other person. And in that exchange, you were just wishing each other just so much abundance and joy and bounty in the coming year. And I think that's the way, to really reframe how you view gift giving too it's not about the dollar sign it's not about what it actually is it really does come back to that intention of oh this i want this to bring you joy and i want this to bring you hope and you know a prosperous year and i just think that's a remembering that that's where this started can can help alleviate some of that stress of finding that perfect toy or gadget
0: yeah absolutely and i think i think we've lost as a society this the connection in that way where I, I love things like handmade gifts or even the meaning of just a card that somebody took the time to handwrite me something because they wanted to express how they feel. And, you know, something as simple as a card can express that a little bit better than something material because you actually take the time to put into physical written word your feelings. And I think that's discounted a lot more than it should be. And sometimes it doesn't necessarily mean you have to spend money to make that point known to people you care about.
1: Absolutely. Um, so personally, for you all, my we've mentioned this before. I come from a family who goes pretty hard on holidays. <laughs> so decorating is probably always one of our biggest, biggest traditions that has just a lot of ritual to it from, you know, decorating the tree to literally decking the halls to even, you know, our, our cookie baking between my mom and I, we make over a dozen different types of cookies and candies every year. And, you know, distributing all of that wealth and bounty is, is a huge part of my Christmas tradition. So I typically always, everyone always gets something tasty and edible from me this year. I I will admit I cheated. I have not made I call it cookie day and I like marathon all of the Harry Potter movies and I make 13 different kinds of cookies and I just haven't had it in me this year 2020 is our year of 80% so (laughs) I cut a few corners and I ordered everybody who I would normally send cookies a Kringle from our favorite bakery in Wisconsin and had them all shipped (laughs) so they could have a little Christmas morning breakfast on Brandon and I But I still, it was still really important to me to do that, to feed my people in that way, even though I haven't quite summoned up that mental uh, fortitude to sit in my kitchen for 12 hours and knock out a bunch of cookies. Uh, But that's typically something I love to do. I love decorating trees. Decorating trees is also something we've taken from the Romans and Saturnalia. Um, it literally directly comes from hanging tiny little metal or wooden ornaments on the trees outside your homes that usually represented Saturn or maybe your family's patron saint. A lot of families would devote themselves to a specific um, a specific patron. So I liked that that kind of tree decorating and tree decorating actually goes across multiple cultures too because early Germanic tribes did a similar thing, and that's where the fruits and the candles. Come in, and those were all to honor the god Odin throughout winter solstice. So, um, you know, we we decorate with ornaments and candies and fruits and all of those things still now, uh, which I think is really beautiful. But it is, it is really funny to remember where all of these where all of these traditions started because they can feel a little surface level when you are living in such a consumerist society too and and hearkening back to those those ancestors and those ancient traditions of thanking the gods for the bounty of the year is just a really beautiful mindful practice,
0: I think. Absolutely. And this is one of those times that I get all kind of like enamored with humanity and I'm like, oh, if aliens were watching this right now, they'd actually be like, humans are really cute. <laughs> because how adorable is it that in the time of the year when we have snow on the ground and it's really cold that we go get little Christmas trees and bring them inside where they can be warm and we decorate them and tell them how much we love them and how beautiful they are and I just think that's freaking adorable as hell
1: (laughs) well and Christmas trees have always been really special to our family in general too you know we obviously my dad's a forest (laughs) ranger um (laughs) or he's a forest supervisor now but and so as my grandfather and my great grandfather, you know, I come from a multi-generational forest service family. And so like tromping out into the woods to find your tree was always, the whole family was involved. It was an all day affair. Everyone was helping. And we have a very specific tradition with my family where we don't bring. I love that home. tradition
0: about your family. Like all of the scrawny little trees that you brought home all over the years just bring me <laughs> so much joy. <laughs>
1: Yes. So we call them happy trees. We pick one that's in a clump that needs thinning. So we're doing the forest a favor too, as well as bringing this tree somewhere where he can be adored and loved. Um, And yeah, we, we call them happy trees kind of based off of Charlie Brown probably is where that started, but it's a, it's a huge part of our holiday tradition. And my grandma Bacon, you know, texted me a picture of her tree today and was like, he's so happy. And She was showing me all his little gappy angles, but once you put enough lights and tinsel and ornaments, like every tree is absolutely beautiful and they're all so fun. And I love me. You like ugly
0: duckling your trees. And I think that's so beautiful.
1: Yes. So that's probably one of my favorites. Um, but I want to talk about a Yuletide tradition that you touched on briefly earlier. It's a little more Salacious and scandalous in origin, so obviously, I'm excited. Um, <laughs> uh, let's talk about mistletoe, let's talk about making. Ooh,
0: I'm here for this conversation. <laughs> I was sitting there like, Wait, which tradition would do that? Like, the Yule log? Like, how do you make a Yule log? Sexy, <laughs> we could make a Yule log, yeah. Don't here. put You're us kidding? up to that challenge.
1: Like, the name log is literally in the name, <laughs> anyway sorry mom yeah so mistletoe again i mean y'all the romans we have the romans to thank for all of these that is so
0: funny too because i think the romans tend to be known like you hear the holy roman empire you know so we've only really known the christian side of rome more than we ever really knew about the pagan side so I'm, i'm so excited we're talking about that tonight
1: yes me too so mistletoe is saturn's herb that's his plant and so to keep him happy, people would perform fertility rites underneath sprigs of mistletoe. And when we say fertility rites, we're talking sex magic. People. Wait, for
0: real? Yes. Snap.
1: <laughs> so mistletoe is, yeah, everyone is getting it on under mistletoe, keeping Saturn happy, honoring that god up in the stars who just likes to watch people get it on.
0: I mean, people have their thing. I mean...
1: That's that's a very human animalistic (laughs) thing in general anyway. So I get it. It's fine. But in the times, or sorry, in the world of the Druids, mistletoe actually symbolized peace and joy instead of fertility and sexuality. So in times of war, if enemies were to meet underneath woodland mistletoe, then they would drop their weapons and form a truce until the next day. And in a way, kissing is a form of truce making.
0: I love that. I don't know why. Just like, yeah, that, that like cool? hit my heartstrings. How, how beautiful.
1: So if you're ever fighting with somebody, just go get yourself some mistletoe. And that's your, that's the white flag.
0: You know, the, like, <laughs> like thinking about the heated arguments, I might get in with my husband once in a while or something like that would just, I feel like, end all of it right there is if you just throw out some mistletoe. Okay. Can oh, I tell course. you
1: something funny? Brandon won't listen to this episode probably (laughs) um we had one of those dumb marital arguments a couple of weeks ago and we um made a joke or he made a joke that we needed a feeling (laughs) stick so I made one
0: for his did you really that's so adorable (laughs)
1: yes (laughs) so he's getting a feeling stick for the next time that we're going at it but maybe you
0: absolutely have to to. to So speaking of husbands, it's a great segue because we were just talking before this about kind of our favorite memories around this time. And fun fact, Cheyenne and I both got engaged, not to each other, unfortunately. Sad day. Yeah. But we did both get engaged the same year around Christmas. We did. I actually think you guys got engaged the year before us. Oh, really? I thought we got engaged. Oh, we got married the same year. We got married
1: the same year, but you were engaged about a year before me.
0: Okay. Yeah. Because when we were thinking through kind of our favorite Christmases, one of my favorites was when we had come back to Montana. So following grad school and we had returned to Montana to this small little town that I would spend my summers in and spend time with my grandparents. And this town was teeny tiny, like a hundred people. And Um, a couple there that's been a a longtime friend, have been longtime friends with my grandparents graciously offered us a place to stay and it gave my husband a job for the time being. And I returned to work at the restaurant we were at, or I had spent every summer at since high school, since I was a kid. And that was just kind of our in-between state until I could get a permanent job following grad school. And. It's one of just my favorite Christmases of all time, even though it was just kind of us for the most part. We did actually spend Christmas Day with my family, but it was such a point in time where we really just didn't have any obligations because of the fact that we were in between jobs and had just finished school and we're waiting our next chapter. So the whole world was really ahead of us and we didn't know what was going to come. And you know, we're two broke kids just trying to make it through life. And I remember we went and got a, an actual Christmas tree that year. And typically we had had fake trees. And so it was a time that we spent and we took my little dog out and it was his first time going out and getting an actual Christmas tree. And I had just the best Christmas playlist that year. And just everything was, it was just such a good time, a simple time. And I think that was why it was my favorite and what makes it so funny um, that we got engaged is because like I said earlier, my husband goes like balls to the walls for Christmas, right? Like he, he loves this holiday and this year he hadn't gotten me anything for Christmas and not, I, I mean, that makes me sound like I'm somebody who totally expects to get gifts every year, but it wasn't that <laughs> it was just the fact that it's like, it was so out of character for him. And so me being my anxious ass self, I was just kind of like freaking out about it. Cause I'm like, why, why would he not get something for Christmas? And so my mind immediately kind of went two different directions. I was like, oh my God, he's going to break up with me. Like, (laughs) this is it. Cause we had been together. I think we were together like eight years before we finally got engaged. And, and I mean, that's part of that is because we were literally children when we got together. Like I was 17, he had just started college and we had known each other since high school, you know? And, and so I was like, oh my gosh, maybe he's just decided that he doesn't want to be with me. And, and we were kind of at that crossroads where it's like, you know, I'd finished school. We were ready for the next chapter. It was that time that we should probably really think about getting married. (laughs) And and so I was, I just remember this clear as a bell because it was that time of year when it was just slow as all get out at the restaurant. So I had just nothing but myself and my thoughts because it's that time of year where like, literally we start doing. tasks like deep cleaning the entire restaurant like cleaning the floorboards and stuff and like the right you know because we just had nothing else to do you get like one customer the entire day and so I was folding dish towels in the back and I'm sitting there thinking through I was like oh my gosh is this is this what's gonna happen and then it just dawned on me and I was like holy shit he didn't give me a Christmas present because he doesn't want me to see the size of the box because he's going to freaking propose to me. And one thing I would always <laughs> told him is that I always really liked people's proposals that had it done in front of their whole family, you know, so their family could participate in it. And, um, and so he... I I was like, okay, that makes sense because we would be around all of our family for Christmas. And and his family was talking about spending Christmas with my family. And it just seemed like all of these things were kind of adding up that were kind of out of the usual. And so then I remember I went running back into the kitchen to tell the cook because she and I had been, I've known her since I was a child. Um, And I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to propose to me. That's what's going to happen. That's why he's not (laughs) telling me what he got for Christmas or he doesn't want me to see the box. And, Thinking back on it, I'm like, Sean, you could have avoided this whole thing by just literally wrapping an empty freaking shoe box under the tree. And I would have never suspected a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then because I'm a brat, I went home that night and I was like, I think you're going to propose to me on Christmas. And his back was to me in the kitchen. And I remember just watching him kind of freeze and his mind's going, you know, like, how do I get out of this? And he was so sweet and he pulled it off so well where he's like, you know, you know, I can't like afford a ring right now. And. If I'm going to do this, I want to do it right. And we just have so much going on. And he's like, I I want this to be special for you. Like he just made this whole thing up really sweet. And I was like, (laughs) "Dang, maybe that is true. Well, unbeknownst to me, because he's a big time kayaker. And on our first date, he took me kayaking. He had actually on a day that he said he was at work. He had driven all the way to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, which keep in mind, this is like a six to eight hour drive from where we lived in Montana at the time to pick up a kayak that he found online that like specifically fit me was perfect was like the one that he's been looking for so he made that whole trip in a day and had been hiding this kayak in this like s- storage bin in the in the garage <laughs> and kept it hidden from me for like a month he had picked it up after Thanksgiving and I had no idea Oh my God. So that's actually what he used to propose to me with. And so it was so funny because I still suspected him. I'm like, this just seems really weird. You know, my family was being really weird around this time. And, and so Christmas day, we were all opening presents and he was avoiding me all day, which is hilarious. Like he would just be, you know, hanging out with his family or he wouldn't sit next to me. He'd always be kind of like shifting around, which is also weird for him. So I was like, dude, you were being shady as hell. <laughs> And so, so at the end of everybody opening their presents, like my family, then my mom, bless her, she literally announces to the whole room, she's like, okay, Sean, it's your turn. <laughs> and just starts bawling, just bawling. So then I was like, oh, wow, I wonder what's about to happen. <laughs> and but then Sean gets up and leaves the room and I'm like, what in the hell is going on? <laughs> and it's because he walked outside to get the kayak. And so then he brings in the kayak and my mom being my mom, I'm like, she would cry over that. Cause she's like, what a special gift that he got for you. So then I was kind of like thrown off course by the whole kayak, but then he's like, okay, well, you know, just make sure it fits. And I'm trying to like feign happiness. Cause I've obviously bugged him and said, I wanted a kayak for a really long time. So I could learn how to do it with him. But at the same time, I was like, I thought we were going to get married. <laughs> I'm like (laughs) trying to balance this oh I'm actually super disappointed but also this is a really cool gift (laughs) but then he's like okay you you need to get in it and try it out and of course when I looked inside the kayak the ring was sitting there in the bottom and he proposed to me at that time and I think what makes that Christmas even more special was the fact that that was the last Christmas we spent with my grandmother who was so so important to me and and so she got to be a part of that and It was just a really incredible time. And so that'll always be something really, really special for us. But yeah, kind of funny that we both got married or got engaged around Christmas. And then it was so funny, too, because my family actually has this weird tradition, not intentionally, but there's a lot of us that got engaged on Christmas. And so I had told him. Several times before, like I don't want to be proposed to on Christmas because I don't want to like be like everybody else in my family, because <laughs> you know, hashtag right. nonconformist over here. But A little black, yeah. Shirt. But that was the only time that he's like he could think of that the whole family would be together. So his hands were really tied in that regard. And now looking back on it, I'm really glad it's the way it happened. But so funny that I had like all these rules, and he still checked all the boxes, like this sweet little human being he is. But.
1: That's very cute. I can definitely see you marching in and being like, "I'm gonna spill this secret <laughs> that I don't have confirmed yet, but I need to know. That's
0: totally the way it was because I'm that type of person that I can't hold on to a surprise like that. So I was just like, tell me, are you gonna are you gonna propose? And then, of course, now I'm like, I wish it had been a total surprise and I hadn't, you know, overthought it so much. <laughs> and it would have made it that much better. But that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes, I guess.
1: Yes. Oh, that's so sweet.
0: So let's hear your story, your little Christmas engagement story.
1: Our Christmas engagement story. We, uh, we actually got engaged on my grandparents' 50th anniversary. Well, um, that was not intentional. We didn't know that until afterwards. <laughs> um, but it added a little bit of extra specialness after the fact, which is really cute. Um, ours was less of a secret Brandon and I'd been together for three years about and we've kind of been talking about it and I'm not super traditional in the sense that I didn't it was really important to me that nobody asked permission to marry me (laughs) I also have two fathers so you know there's that that dynamic of feeling like you know I didn't want just there was the, all of those family dynamics where I was like I'm nobody's to give away like strong feminist woman who also wants this fairy tale
0: um so you know what's so funny <laughs> so about that can... is I totally identify as a feminist but that is like one of those traditions that I totally held on to and was like nope you have to ask my dad <laughs> and I think part of it for me was that I'm like the only daughter in the family and so I was just always like And my dad, he has been around very strong women his whole life. And so I thought that would be just really fun for him to have that little moment for himself.
1: (laughs) Right. And I mean, in retrospect, I probably could have let my fathers have that moment, too. But I was I was very adamant. I was like, I'm nobody's.
0: I love that.
1: (laughs) But also ask me to be yours. (laughs) Uh, Duality. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so we kind of, we started talking about it, which I think, you know, is also important when you're in a relationship with somebody to not, you know, I, I love proposal fail videos. It's just that there's like, it's there's something about that level of cringe of like, you really did this at a basketball game. And she said, no, like you should know if your girl does not want to be proposed
0: to at a basketball game. <laughs> Have you ever <laughs> thought about that? Like what you would do if you actually ended up wanting to say no to somebody who proposed to you? I've watched so
1: many, I'll, I'll go through so many YouTube wormholes of proposal (laughs) fails. And then I start to feel really bad about myself because it's not very nice, but they're very funny. A lot of the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's funny when things like that don't happen to you for sure. Then you can appreciate it so much more. (laughs) Oh my
1: goodness. Okay. I can tell kind of a cute story though. So we've been talking about it for a while. I also really, I was fairly, I didn't want, I didn't want a diamond which I felt like was important to tell him just because that was, and not that I like had big specific plans for a ring in general, but there was just a part, I was like, this isn't my style. Just, I want it to be, to be different in, in however, whatever way it could be. And so I, we'd started looking at rings together, essentially kind of that summer before we got engaged and we found one that we both liked I sent it to him and he was like, okay, well, um, he goes, so you know the ring, but you're not gonna know when I do it. And that was our agreement was I, I helped pick out my ring and we talked about those things. Like, do I, you know, do you need to ask permission? You know, what does that look like? I wanted my family there, but I wanted to feel very autonomous in my decision-making. Um, I'm also one of those people who will call every single person I know and get their opinion before I make a decision. <laughs> And in this moment, I wanted it to be completely me, right? It was like my, my one time I didn't refer to every single buddy I know. Um, so I didn't know when it was going to happen. And then the months just kind of kept going and it, I knew the ring, like he ordered it. It was just in his closet. So it was there. It was in my house. I didn't see it. I didn't peek. I Did you know it. he had it? Yeah. Because I, I got the mail uh-huh. the day it came <laughs> And the return address was the ring company that we, um, the jeweler in on the East coast that we ordered it from. And so it was just really funny because I knew it was there. And then he went and hid it in his closet. And then it was kind of like an out of sight, out of mind thing. And then, you know, Christmas came and it was a Christmas my parents were spending with us. And it was the same kind of thing where my parents had already been here for a couple of days. And then it was Christmas. And I was like, oh, well, it's not happening now. Like he's missed all of his opportunities. (laughs) Um, so I kind of wrote it up and was like, oh, you know, might not happen, whatever. Um, and we, Willie, stop it. Sorry. She just picked right now to roll around on the floor and groan. So I apologize if you can hear that. But we always go. Golden, the little town that I live in, has the most beautiful Christmas light show river walk set up. It's so cute. It's a total postcard. And we always go and do like a candlelight Christmas Eve walk as a family. So my cousin, you know, my favorite cousin was there. My Aunt Kathy was there. Um, and nobody knew that he was going to do this. Brandon literally did not wow, tell anybody, Which is kind of funny because I, I didn't anticipate him not telling anybody when I mentioned the no permission thing. But Brandon's a very literal <laughs> person.
0: So,
1: so I probably scared the crap out of him initially and it, like it was funny to me that actually nobody knew which actually made it even more fun because we got to the end of this river trail and there's a cute little bridge that goes over the river and Brandon and I he had Willie and I was holding a candle and my dad was walking their dog and holding a candle and Brandon went to my dad and he was like hey can you hold my candle and my dad was like no like a candle, <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> it was so funny and Brandon was like please can you just hold this candle (laughs) please please just help me out (laughs) so funny in hindsight um and my dad was like okay and like like juggling the candles and everything and my cousin Maggie had her phone out because she probably we I mean we were all taking pictures of the lights and everything but he stopped in the middle of the bridge and just immediately dropped to one knee and then everybody else was like oh
0: Oh, bless him (laughs)
1: got it and so he gave just the cutest little speech and pulled the ring out of his pocket and I'm like crying and then I'm wearing gloves and trying to like take off my gloves and put the ring on and um and my family's like processing and Maggie's trying to last minute record and it was just really cute and sweet and then we all you know finished this walk like holding hands and like laughing and everyone was just like so overjoyed and cheerful and it was and everyone was so surprised It's actually kind of made it a little more special even because everybody kind of felt like they'd been bamboozled but yeah in a good way. um and then we came home and we my family we always open presents from family on Christmas Eve and then we do just stockings on Christmas morning, on Christmas day, which is my favorite because it spreads presents out and I love presents and giving them if I didn't mention that a thousand times (laughs) earlier. So we came home and we got to open presents and hang out by the fire and call absolutely everybody we knew. And it was just really sweet and simple. And so every year on our anniversary, now we just go and we do that Christmas Eve river walk together yeah, and it's just it's just fun and special and a little extra extra little treat um, at Christmas time to remember that too.
0: Yeah, I think I think even for Scrooge people like me, there's no way that people can deny the just magic in the air around this time.
1: Especially like somewhere like that's just completely covered in lights or the snow. There's just so much. Um, uh, yeah, it's just so much sparkle and beauty and it doesn't really take much letting go to let yourself sink in. Right? And enjoy yeah. That. I
0: think about like, um, I was watching an interview with Isla Fisher and she's Australian and how she was talking about how on Christmas and in, in the Southern hemisphere that it's like a beach day. And it just kind of blows my mind. Cause I'm like, but where's the magic, <laughs>
1: It's so funny. So I lived in uh, Cape Town, South Africa, the summer after I uh, graduated college. And it was so funny because I remember sitting with, you know, with my, my friends and my roommates and the uh, my house mom, the woman whose house we were living in. And we were talking about Christmas because I just I was curious how um, how it does work in the summer and hemisphere. And and it was so funny to me because they use all of our free. Right there's all of the same wintry aesthetics and the songs are the same, you know, everyone celebrates technically a wintry Christmas, whether you're in the Northern hemisphere or not, which I found really fun. She was like, Oh no, there's like fake snow everywhere. And our Santa's like fully bundled up still.
0: <laughs> yeah. I experienced the same thing. Oh. Uh, we spent, when I went to grad school, we moved to New Orleans. And so that was the first Christmas that we spent. That wasn't a traditional Christmas. It was literally like 70 degrees that day. And my husband and I made the most of it and just, you know, had a bunch of, um, hurricanes on bourbon street (laughs) and just had a really good time, but it does feel super weird because you have like palm trees and stuff, but people are using fake snow and, and Santa Claus. And, but it does feel like And maybe it's just because I grew up in a place where they had snow and that was just a big part of it. And I'm not even somebody who really likes snow, but it almost felt like it just didn't feel like Christmas. You could pretend all you wanted. It just didn't feel right. (laughs) That definitely comes from us being
1: raised and children in a winter Christmas land, too. It probably wouldn't feel as jarring if we were there, but I always thought that was really fun where I'm like, you're still singing about like chestnuts on a <laughs> yeah. fire and big snowflakes and you've never mm-hmm. seen them here. <laughs> oh, too funny. Well, where does that leave us? I think it today? leaves us at
0: our perwitchin slip.
1: I think we all need perwitchin, especially this time of year in this particular 2020 year to let go of traditions that feel like too much work this year like making 13 different kinds of cookies if you pull off one if you send everybody a kringle in the mail fine whatever
0: That's honestly okay. <laughs> my anxiety spiked when you said that I was like dude I can barely make like a toll house package thing of cookies, 13 different ones holy <laughs> cow <laughs> right you know if it's
1: if you want to go completely ham, go completely ham. If you're really needing to simplify, simplify. Start a new tradition this year. I think that's my biggest perwitch and Slip. Like, I'm inspired by your Yule log. So create something new this year, specifically to you and the people in your household that kind of commemorates and celebrates this weird, weird year we've had and all of the ups and downs and... Um, And start a new tradition this year and let go of ones that feel like too much work. That's your fruition today. Do Yule however you need to do it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we we just want to take a moment to acknowledge this year and acknowledge that for so many of us out there, this Christmas is going to look a lot different for a lot of people, whether it's um, the fact that maybe you're not spending Christmas with family as you would like to that we can't have the gatherings that we're used to. We definitely acknowledge that folks might have lost someone dear to them this year. And so we just wanted to send our love to everybody who is experiencing that and know that you are not alone and that we are all in this together. This is not going to be forever and that we are going to come out of this greater in the end and we will all get through this together. And so we just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge that things are hard and that's okay, but that you are very, very, very loved and we appreciate each and every one of you. Yes. Cheers cheers to to that. that, witches. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks. If you're having a witching good time, we hope you'll help us to grow this little coven. You all know it's us against AI in this algorithm eat algorithm world, so please help us out. Please like, rate, and subscribe anywhere you're listening to us. Also, we want to connect with our spooky, Marg-loving friends out there, so please like and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Links for those profiles will be in the show notes. And hey, be sure to tell us what you're drinking tonight. We love you all so much, witches. Cheers.